I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Self-Helpful Podcast is brought to you by Ziggler, your premier source for equipping life and leadership coaches. Visit Ziggler.com and let them inspire your true coaching performance. This is our peak wellness show where we give specific focus to our health and wellness, the foundation for all we do. And in this episode, we talk about breathing how to breathe, which is odd. I, like you figured, I kind of knew how at this point for 52 years, I've been breathing air in and continuing to live. I was a pro cyclist. I seemed to breathe pretty proficiently to get through that. What more do I need to know? Well, it turns out there is a lot to know if we want to be fully functioning. And like so many things in our culture and our just evolution, we've kind of devolved and we're not breathing correctly. So in this show, uh, my great friend and peak wellness co-host, Randy James, who's a medical doctor and functional medicine expert and the owner of truelifemedicine.com, we discuss the message of the book from James Nestor. It's called Breath. And here's a big hook of the message that may intrigue you as it did for me. Our nose is not just for smelling. That's not the only sense it's for. It's really there to breathe through primarily. Our mouth is for food. And when we use our mouth solely for breathing instead of our nose, especially at night, there are a lot of negative consequences. So James Nestor, the guy's a journalist, or he was a journalist, and he just went to study breathing and some things that he heard about. And when he and another guy spent weeks only breathing through their mouth alone, you'd be shocked at the negative results. Um, and I encourage anybody to check the book out, go find, um, you know, I think there's documents at this point. Um, but uh, I've talked to so many people who have had radical improvements in their lives by working on more breathing through their nose, me included. And you'll learn so much in this show, even the simple awareness of correct breathing will benefit you tremendously. I got to admit my first thought when we start talking about breathing, okay, now breathing <laughs> is, okay, we've already covered that we eat wrong. We exercise wrong. We sleep wrong. 
you and I found out a few years, oh, we're running wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and we went from, you know, support running to minimalistic running and we, and totally but makes sense. I mean, yeah. thank God. But at some point you get to seriously, and now we're breathing wrong. <laughs> Can I do nothing right? Ken? I, I, I know it is. And, and you kind of look at it. So here, here's my muse. You remember our friend Lois, yeah. uh, up on the mountain by me. I remember years ago when she's in her health nutness, you know, and she's talking about uh, bread that they don't eat bread and we shouldn't eat bread. And I literally thought, come on, come on, Jesus, eat bread. Thank you. That's exactly what I thought. This is, this is the, the bread of life. Man. Right. This is, he is the bread. This is biblical. You blasphemous person, you. And I think that's the dumbest thing. And of course, later to realize, okay, it's not that bread in and of itself. No, if we were having Jesus's bread, that'd be right, great. Right. But we're having the bread that we can't can we even call it bread? I, it, in, in America, I mean, I don't know that it's possible to get bread from the right soil with the right, right wheat. And so and we just can't. So, yeah, to, to that degree, we'd say, yeah, bread is junk to, to this degree. If you can go get it in somewhere in the native bush across America or across the world, maybe you right. can find something. Okay. So uh, I, I, that was my thought there. And with breathing, it's a th when you first started talking about mouth breathing, and, and whatnot a couple years ago? I remember it. Like the other day we talked about our friend Steve Smith and uh -huh. fasting. And the when I suggested to you that you should tape your mouth up <laughs> at night, you were also terrified. Well, I also just thought <laughs> my first reaction was, that's just stupid. Okay. Cause, cause so so this is this is I'm gonna take it from the layman's perspective, yep. which I had, and which is saying, Here I am, I'm a human. I have to get oxygen in my body to exist. Mm -hmm. True? Yeah. Who cares where it comes from? If I can push it in through my ears, through I'll take it. Through my nose, through my mouth, I'm trying to put oxygen into my lungs to fuel my body. Seriously, yeah, why is it more complicated? It how it gets in there. Thank you. Yeah. What why is it more complicated than that? And I would think to most people, well, that is that's where I came from to go it I, I wasn't sold. So then we read uh, Nestor's book, James Nestor. Uh, what is it? N e s t o r called breath. Well, and I want to I want to dig in there. Though I do want to tell people when you and I changed to minimalistic running, the book we read and so many people did. It was a big part of spawning this movement of minimalistic running. Was Born to Run by Chris McDougal. Chris McDougal, and it was also one of the things that helped. Is he was, he's a journalist. He was, right, not a doc, not a scientist, not a. He's a dude who had his own foot problems. That, yes. And that's what led to him investigating, saying, well, it can't just be like this. Yeah. So he's an inquisitive, curious, intelligent guy yeah, who happens writer. to be a journalist. Mm -hmm. And he goes after it and he goes, holy smacks. Look at this. These guys are running in nothing to, in their 90s. And we're with our fancy shoes. We can't run past the age of 50 anymore. What's the deal? And so he goes and writes a book that I've told people, just read it for a good story. And, and I yeah. thought they were, I thought I heard they were going to turn it to a movie at some point. Okay. So the same thing. There are a couple books, more than a couple on breath and breathing. James Nestor's though, that's my testimony. He came at it. Same thing. Had a what was his he was, problem? He was a good writer. No, no, he did a, uh, for Outside or Sports Illustrated or something, he went to, I think it was Greece, to just do a, a, a piece on freedivers. So these guys are diving 100 feet down, holding their breath for eight, 10 minutes to go get pearls or whatever they do. And now freediving is a competition. Uh -huh. How low can you go? How long? And, you know, so these crazy people. It's my nightmare. <laughs> Right. It's, 
That is a nightmare. That's what horror movies are built oh on, right? Gosh. Is this even you know, the thought of it? I'm going. I'm taking deep breath. I'm taking deep breath. But okay. okay, so he goes out there. He's a good writer. But so you know, this is a long story. But he also notices, gosh, these guys. They're in the extremes of breathing. And that's where Chris McDougall went to the Hiawatcha Indians or whoever down in, in Mexico. Mexico, yeah. And, they, and these they, are the extreme barefoot runners. Right. 100 miles in a day uh, just because it's Tuesday and that's what we do. Uh, you know, so he went and explored these these. These extremes. These natives. They were the natives doing it just because that was life. Yeah. Well, and these guys too. So native culture on the coast in these, this is pearl diving times a thousand years. Oh, this this wasn't like competitive stuff. This was like to go down and find a pearl to live. Yeah. That's how it originated. It has become a competition just like barefoot running. Right. Okay. So he goes over there and he, 10 or 20 years ago, and he writes this piece. And I think maybe that became a book too. So, but in that he just started to become aware of these people and he calls them pulmonauts, like an astronaut, right? Like these aren't doctors, they're not scientists, they're people that have explored this area of breathing in a way different way than Western medical pulmonology, right? right. And that's, so, so you, that's, that's kind of the divide. Like we came into barefoot running, not through podiatry, not through the, you know, Western medical, in fact, it was podiatry that kind of maybe ruined us a little bit with these quote unquote supportive shoes, which actually break. Okay, we, yeah, and I and I still want to go down that road. We seem to do one There's on, a, on the on the running. Well, literally yeah. running. There's yeah. enough people that, as an exercise outlet, that is what they would like to do, and I, and I would encourage them in that. But they can't because of the aches and pains. So we should devote one to that. We'll, we'll do that next. Okay, but, I agree. Breath, but didn't he also have his own issues? Yeah, that's right. So along the way, he says, "Well, I'm a mouth breather." I snore. Is that bad? Is that wrong? Like you and I have said so many times, what you think is normal, your normal is not normal. And yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that is pathology. So, but when you go to the doctor and they don't say, holy cow, you're snoring. We need to do a study and a test and a this and that. It's kind of like, well, I feel sorry for your wife, you know, and we joke about it. No different than we joke about our, you know, love handles and our extra things that we all call normal. So mouth breathing, snoring. And then you and I had talked about the mouth taping actually through the dental lens. So I've been talking about that for a long time because my dad, who's an ear, nose and throat guy, would work with the dentist and orthodontist because you spend, you know, $2,000 on your 15 year old's teeth. But then if he mouth breathes, his teeth are going to be abnormal by 25. And I would hold up Kevin Miller as an example. I I am. Can we can we back up to the, the idea that I still didn't understand from you? when you're talking about mouth breathing that I got from James from the breath book that the case or not the case for, I guess the truth of our nose. Yeah. I mean, we think about the five senses. What's the eyes for seeing ears for hearing nose smelling, smelling. and the mouth for breathing and skin for well, touching. Mouth tasting. Right, right, right. Ta- well, okay. Tasting. But I just thought, I mean, I, I, you, you had thought wrong. I'm, I thought, well, you thought I, I want to, I want to hit that. Yeah. Even as a professional athlete, man, I'm in the, you know, pit of a race, man. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to breathe through everything I can. My mouth's open. Okay. My nose's open. Have you gotten to the point in the book where he talks about athletes? Yes. 
<laughs> Dang it. Dang it. I know, I'm, I'm, I'm irritated. But, but go back to that, that he, that the, that not the cases, but the, what they're saying is that no, we as humans were created and our mouth, our noses for breathing, not our mouth. That is absolutely fundamentally correct. And that, in fact, absolutely you're fundamentally, we are we, nobody, 50% of who us. Who teaches are, that? <laughs> nobody. I'm, I'm stymied. Well, you're right. We do. I've never it, heard it in school. I never heard so, it in health it's science. It's so frustrating. Never heard it until you talking about mouth breathing and really didn't understand it until I read the book. And it goes, seriously, nobody, the nose is for smelling. I've always thought, man, if they, you know, I didn't have a nose. I don't care that much. <laughs> Because you know? <laughs> I can breathe through my mouth. It, right. And our sense of smell is probably so much less than what it was because we are not, we are abusing our nose and our probably. mouths and the breathing thing. And we've, we've not that we should be like a bear or something, but um, it's one of those things, just like our sense of our feet touching the ground and the proprioception, all the things we learned about in the, in the foot book, same thing can almost probably be applied to all of us that in wow. America, in our modern plate, we don't have to walk. We don't have to think um, about, uh, we don't have to think about our appetites as a, this drives me to work. I've got to work in order to feed myself, right? It's just, in fact, Proverbs 16 something, I read it this morning that, I, oh, I was going to bring it up for you, 1616, that um, hunger, because we talked about appetite last time, yeah. drives a man to work. Okay. Now that sounds negative, but I was, hunger is your motivation to work, is your appetite. It's a good thing because it inspires you to work. Um, we don't think about breathing is a good thing because it, it is how you smell. It's how you interface with the world through the a few billion molecules of air swishing and swashing through there you know every five seconds or so we just don't think about that and that's what we're that's why we're doing the show is to highlight the awareness of the incredible gift and complexity of what's going on and how we're abusing it and we're suffering from it we that we just don't know it's like the fish in the dirty water it just gets a little dirtier a little well, you don't well, speak, see it speak to that speak to the suffering because ultimately oh, if i walk gosh. in the, if i walk in the door as a patient and i've got xyz pathology and let's say it doesn't have to be one that we relate specifically just regardless we said okay dr james give me the pillars of health as i always want to do that in regards to breathing what what is my payoff what is what's the what's the benefit that i can have for folk, giving focus to and caring about my breath, how I here, here's that's a great question, and here's my frustrating answer, and and it's become a theme that I joke about with patients is I'm I'm going to frustrate you, um, so let me flip over to the analogy and say, okay, Kevin, tell me, what am I going to feel? Because I'm I'm going to do what you guys say. I'm going to go get some organic broccoli. What's it going to do to me? What can I expect to feel? Yeah. And you're going to be like, uh, it tastes good. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, what's it doing for my liver? Just start there. Liver, kidney, eyes, ears, nose, throat. And so, so we cannot answer that, but we can. So that's why we go to the extremes of saying, well, who are the people who can't breathe? What is their life like? Like, what is COPD? What is asthma? What is scoliosis of somebody who's cranked over and can't take a deep breath? What, what we've got a very dear friend with CF, uh, cystic fibrosis. Well, holy cow, you know, that's like a, that's like 40 years in a row of almost drowning. 
Like this is a tough, tough situation. I had a friend in college and back then you didn't make it out of your twenties and he didn't. And she's 40 she's over. Five. Four, yeah. Yeah. Like that. So 40s is becoming kind of the goal. And you know, we have a goal with her too. We're going to, we're going to make it right. And okay. So her relationship, we talked about relationship with a food and fasting and addiction. There's a relationship with breathing. Most of us are unaware. She's not. Yeah. I grew up with asthma. I know the feeling of I can't breathe. And it triggers childhood, you know, middle of the night memories. Um, we all know that, like, as an athlete, you've been, I, I don't have any more breath, but I want to beat that guy. Mm -hmm. I, I can suffer. I can endure. I'm, yeah. I'm, here we go. And, and th that's a different sensation. So the extreme of athletic performance and the extreme of pathological stuff. And all of us are floating here in the middle with the normal um, snoring or those kind of things. So, um, but down the list, it will impact your teeth, oral health, the alignment of your teeth. And the alignment of your teeth, if they get off, that's gonna impact your jaw. So people with TMJ, people with those kind of things, or uh, gingivitis, or bad breath, or chronic tonsillitis, all of that, your mouth is not designed to have air swishing and swashing and drying things out all the time. And especially mm -hmm. eight, nine hours in a row at night. And like you said, I wake up with barnacles on my teeth, you know, that, that, that it ought not be. Um, <laughs> well, and then my excuse was always, man, I just, I, even when I, as an athlete, I knew that I struggled with narrow nose passages and I thought, well, that's, you know, what do I do well, about why that? Why did you say narrow nose passage? What do you mean? Just, you, that you, was, it was hard. Why did you say narrow? It's hard to, I don't know, small. It felt like compared to. Because when they have the movie where they tie the hostage up, put duct tape over their mouth, I'm already hyperventilating. Because if you do that, I can't but hardly get enough I'm pointing out to you, air. you were thinking it's because my airway passages are, are, are small. Are small. Like you that, blamed God. Right, right. And I know, I know. And the book is saying, well, it's because you don't use them. They atrophy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. And you, you told me that now and I read it in the book. And But Randy, right there, I mean, that is ultimately... That was the most convicting part of the book, which is right in the first couple of chapters where he and the other guy, James Nestor, did the test where they closed their Close nose it off. For, for how long? It was like, like a, weeks. Weeks? Yeah. Okay. Oh, you know what? Let me refer, uh, reference. If anybody watched the movie documentary, Supersize Me, where the guy ate nothing but McDonald's. So he goes to McDonald's, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack, whatever. And within you know one week, two weeks, man, he's just in the gutter health-wise. And that was so convicting. That's why you know the, the documentary is so popular. So it was the same aspect to this test that James Nestor, this, again, investigating journalist, and this other guy, another guy did, another health guy, and they said, well, let's see what, what happens. And they closed their nose, uh, uh, pinched so, it. So yeah, they, they actually did this through Stanford University, an ENT guy there who's a nosologist, right? Okay. Um, a, a rhinologist, so a subspecialist down, and this is what he does. And uh, in conjunction with him, they had to pay cash for this. This is not, you know, normal kind of things. And they measured the bacteria and they did all kind of measurements pre-experiment. Mm -hmm. 
and measuring pulmonary function tests and the speed of air through the nose, all the kind of things that we don't think about. And then they stuffed their nose, like no air moving in and out for weeks, breathe only through your mouth. And then they, they did their PFTs. Which before reading this, I would just think if you told me to do that, I think, okay, I don't Right, no like big deal. close pit to the nose, and here we're talking a little funny. And but but I otherwise, I would that. think, who cares? I am get, I can eat, I can drink, and I can get my oxygen in. So fill my lungs. So who cares? Yeah, so I can't smell. No biggie. That's what I prior to this. Well, and then that's kind of the story of the book of how incredibly miserable it annihilates that, their life. It's their unbelievable. Sleep went down the oxygenation then went down. The fatigue went up, and you know they're, they're trying to exercise right while breathing through their mouth and doing these jogging things at a certain pace. And and yeah, but he was a James debilitated. James almost. was not a fit, well guy. Before call, I would call him middle aged, mid forties, fifties, little overweight, little you know normal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and. And, but he knew I've got a breathing issue. And when I go to the doctor, they don't say anything about that. Or I get a nose spray or something. But I'm saying, but he was a snorer. He wasn't super healthy. He wasn't an endurance athlete, whatever. So he was a normal person, probably not, uh, probably mouth breathing a lot anyways. So to close his nose, I would think what any difference would be negligible. And he's saying it wrecked me. I mean, Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. Most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're going to take about 20,000 breaths. According to the EPA, the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air, sometimes up to 100 times more polluted. At my studio, we have heat being forced through old ducts. I walk on carpet full of years of junk. No idea what's floating in the air that I'm taking constant gulps of. The solution is an air purifier and Air Doctor is just the best. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, bacteria, viruses. They do it so your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com 
Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Just like the guy on supersize me a week, two weeks in, he's just saying, I am over. I mean, they had measurements, biomarkers, but they, he's saying, I am overall, I am miserable. This is yeah. horrific. It's mind blowing to me to say, really? We have to, we have to put in there right there. I think you and I have talked about this before. Do you remember the scariest part of supersize me in my interpretation? Yes. When he regulated so two weeks after he said, I'm wrecked and miserable, he ate McDonald's two more weeks. And at the end, he's like, I'm feeling better. And his markers got better. And his markers got better. His li- it was liver markers. They adapted to the horrificness. Because our bodies are awesome at survival. That's right. That, and that was it. Literally, it wasn't that, oh, maybe you can do okay on McDonald's. No, his quality of life is depleting. And he got used to it a little bit. All the markers just went down a little bit. And I would say, yeah, his longevity was going to shrink in mm-hmm. and his lingering, yeah. his putting up with all these things was going to go up. Well, same thing. James or Kevin or Randy, I was a mouth breather for many years. Um, we, we thought it was normal, but just because we didn't know, but our we were lingering with bad breath, barnacles on our teeth, gingivitis, uh, all these things that we thought. Well, can we qualify that when you say mouth breather, mainly you're talking about at night because in the book, he's talking about people who have. No, when I say, when I'm asking patients, this is a front and center question in our list is, do you breathe mostly through your mouth or mostly through your nose? I don't think most people would even know. Half the people say, oh, wow. Right. Huh? I don't know. really know. Yeah. Cause I, now I'm conscious of it and I am aware that I, I'm struggling and I, cause I haven't gone to taping or whatever to do it at night. Cause I just, I can't sleep. So I've been, I, I'm in that struggle. Now during the day I am more conscious of it. And, and as I was even aware of it, I do primarily breathe through my nose. So when I'm sitting at my, and most people do, if people day, say I'm unaware of it, probably the bet is it's mostly through your nose. But he cited a bunch of people as he was doing his study who said, no, man, even at it, my it, desk, stuff, I, oh, can't, it's chronic. It's I, can't, epidemic. I, I can't breathe through my nose yeah, yeah. anymore. It's there's mucus. Still most. Atrophy. But if we go to 30, 30, 40 percent of people that are mouth breathing, that's a gigantic burden of pathology. Yeah. When you like 30 percent obesity, like we talk, that's what the number is. That's a gigantic burden of pathology on, on our population. Mm-hmm. And 30 percent mouth breathing during the day. That's huge. There's all kinds of implications and we'll talk about those and if we go to nighttime breathing it's even more okay. probably you know 40 plus percent at 50 plus if you say partially through the night at some point you're breathing for an hour in a row through your mouth or whatever the time frame is which today i still am i mean i, I i'm still i haven't gotten to that that point yet but it, I mean, it's not an icd-10 code it is not defined as pathology well we could well, call it chronic rhinitis right like stuffy nose uh, that's so meaningless uh, it, i know because it ex- that's why we're doing the show you can be at death's we're, door and you don't have a code because uh, you just overall are wrecked and 
<laughs> because the system doesn't the define it as a system code. system doesn't define it. But so, so tell me us the, some of the inherent differences of if I take a deep breath <gasps> right now, that was in my mouth. Boom. Air goes mm -hmm. in the air that we're breathing up here at 90 or at, what are we at? 8,500 feet above sea level has less oxygen than Florida where I was just at, but whatever. So some amount of, you know, stuff mm -hmm. is coming in, goes down my throat into my lungs, however that works. So start at the very beginning, right away, you took this big breath in and we live at 8,600 feet where there's less moisture in the air as well. Right. And one of the things your nose is for is to moisturize the air as it goes down. And, and, and so yeah, the difference of like that, there's my mouth and going, and you just lost water. You will need to drink a little bit more because you just took a breath through your mouth, right? Mm -hmm. You lost water rather than, than, um, and you, you breathed dry air. So the cilia on the back of your throat and your trachea, the cilia that are operating in mucus to clean things out went, darn it, Kevin, you, you just breathed in dry air again. Now we're going to have to, you know, fiddle with this thing. And so you increased your chances of a tonsillitis or post-nasal drainage. And then if I was standing outside the window right here, uh, it would also be really cold air, pretty cold air. Yeah. And we all, well, we know that because you know how it's sometimes harder to run where you're like, yeah, it feels like the spiky cold air in my chest and, and breathing through your nose, it feels cold in my nose, but that's where it should feel cold. Yeah. Yeah. And right now it's so cold in my nose. If I just try to breathe through my nose, I can't handle you it. You don't because, like it. Right. Because, because you're I'm not atrophied. acclimated. Right. Not acclimated. Right. There's a better word there. Yeah. Um, so, so it, and I, I, the, I would say leave those little details to the book in, in, in the sense that, holy cow, there's just dozens of a little this and a little that, like I was mentioning your, your jaw set. Uh, the, we call it the allergic facies, like the, one of the things people come in and, and especially with kids and instantaneously I'd say, Oh, that's an allergic kid. Or we call it, it's an allergic facies. Mouth is open. Eyes are puffy. Uh, the jaw sometimes gets set back because the teeth don't line up on each other. And that's years of mouth breathing, right? That didn't happen in a week or two of a cold. Yeah. That's construct of the human body. Um, the size of your zygomatic bone, you said, well, I have narrow nasal passages. And it's kind of like saying, well, I have a small bicep. Darn it. That's I why I can't it. lift that thing. God didn't make me with a big bicep. I, I know. I know. It's, it's <laughs> new information, though. I just had no idea. And it started when you were two. Yeah. And by the way, the word obligate nasal breathers. When, when I, back in the hospital days and delivering baby days, <clears throat> One of the, you, you, you deliver a baby, right? And you do a physical exam right away. And newborns are obligate nasal breathers. If a baby is breathing through their mouth and they have a blockage in their nose, like something's wrong. Oh. And we will immediately do surgery on and open up the nose. They, or there's mucus or something and suck them out and that kind of thing. Or if they can't breathe, then they go to ENT. Obligate nasal breathers. As humans, right. we're born. Just imagine that. Obligate nasal breathers. But by the time kids in America are one or two, and they're stuffy, congested, snotty-nosed kids that we all call them, then they are nearly obligate, not nasal breathers. I, I read, read that in James' book, and he referenced Native Americans, literally. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that uh -huh. they... Uh, they don't allow their kids. Right. So Native American, you know, back, back in the day, at least, that Native American uh, w uh, moms would hold their baby's mouth 
closed to ensure and train the kid. Yeah, it's almost like they swaddled the mouth. Yeah, it was just, and that was just, you know, one of the many beneficial health things that they knew inherently back then that they didn't know the science. They didn't have a study. They didn't have James Nestor going and having all the research done, but they knew that that was a benefit. But I want to say to what you said a second ago that, I mean, my gosh, there's no way we can do justice to the whole book that if you hear us kind of like the supersize me to say, look, here's a study done by a journalist, James Nestor, James Nestor, whose book has been on the bestseller list uh, since he he, he wrote breath, or at least for, for the last while it has been. He did this test. They blocked their nose so that they could only mouth breathe and it wrecked their health. And what the uh, layman's, what we come out with is the nose, your nose is made for breathing, not your mouth. And so if you just take that and believe us and start doing that, great. If you want to know more, if you want to be able to explain this to your spouse, because you're doing all this weird stuff and taping your mouth or to somebody, go get his book. Yeah. Cause there's no, I mean, my gosh, it's an entire book that we're going to, uh, we're trying to, to make a concise message on here. And ultimately what I wanted you to do is, okay, if I'm your patient, mm-hmm. why should I breathe through my nose and how should I go about doing that? And it, because even for me right now, I'm thinking, okay, during the day we're sitting here, am I keeping my mouth shut while I'm working and breathing through my nose? I'm going to go run as soon as we finish here. I'm going to do it the best I can. I still can't. I mean, I cannot, I can't hardly walk and only breathe through my nose. At some point I get out of breath and go, oh my gosh. I would encourage you to, uh, me too, all, all of us is, and I'm noticing now months later, I'm, I'm getting a little bit better. Because I will grade my exercise efficiency or whatever based on my shortness of breath sense on the incline of the treadmill, which is what I'm usually doing, and how much I can breathe through my nose or not. Yeah. And um, so I would, in your case, it's kind of like you discovered, I've got this atrophic muscle. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't go, you know, lift 50 pounds with an atrophic bicep, you have to right. train it in. So as you begin your exercise, keep your mouth closed, and this will be really shameful for you, Kevin, but run a 15 minute mile, like just barely jog. <laughs> that's, a, that's a walk, dude. <laughs> right, do a fast walk, do something, because your muscle you're training at that moment in time is your breath, yeah. and then do it for five minutes or something like that, and then go run like normal. And to this, now there, I mean, you don't have somebody running uh, the mile in the Olympics, or do you? Is the you, goal you to do, do it? I forgot her name. Now, she was a sprinter. Now, I, that's why I said a mile. Not a hundred. Maybe you could do a hundred meters. I know you're, what you're talking about. I read it too. It's a sprinter and she's only breathing through nose. But to do a mile or, or, or no, say, the, or the say a thought. The marathoners. Some of those Only guys. through their nose? I really? think. Because I'm thinking back to my pro second days, man, when the finish line's in sight, I'm breathing. Okay. That's, but that, Again. But, but my point is that that's an extreme thing. Okay, yeah. that's extreme. That's not average life. Or, or if it is, if you go back to the day and say, okay, they should have been breathing through their nose. But when the tiger was actually chasing the caveman, sure, open your mouth and get extra air, whatever some, you got to do. Get some air, yeah. But that's not. That, that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. That's not going to be helpful to people. Um, okay. As we're thinking, because you're saying what as a patient and, and I, the way I approach it through the patient is to say, okay, look, if you're breathing through your mouth and, or if you don't know, it's pathology. Now, there's going to be one line of implications down this patient and one line over here. <clears throat> and we start to try to go and figure that out. But right at the top, if you are breathing through your mouth at night, your sleep is not what it could be. Now, does it? Oh, I sleep fine. I, you could sleep finer. 
And it, it well, just yeah, isn't and what Thank you for be. saying that because we're not saying, I mean, you can be, I'm, well, here I am. So I'm, I'm 50 years old, according, you know, next to the average. I mean, my biomarkers and my health and stuff, they're really good overall. They could be gooder. They yeah. could be weller. And as I look towards my gosh, do it. So if, if mouth breathing over the, it's an accumulative thing, just like you saying, okay, if you're eating just, you know, junk broccoli or no broccoli and you start eating broccoli, what's it going to do for me? Well, today, not over right. accumulate over time, organic broccoli and more veggies and whatever, it's going to lead to more life. You could have been, we could look back on you and say, gosh, Kevin, what could your professional biking career have been if yeah. you've been breathing through your nose? Yeah is a legit question. And what in the, in between times, could you be like today at 50 versus how you are now? Yeah. And, and now you can now look into the future and you get to have a little bit more. Control. Well, I'm thinking about going to the, you know, my, my, so my tel telomere health is whatever it is today. How much better would it be? Would it have been over the past 50 years if I was primarily or, you know, a nose breather? Yeah, me too. I would say <laughs> yeah. my, my telomeres are way worse than yours. Yeah. And I was the born asthmatic, allergic, allergic. I've got pictures of me in the fifth grade or something. And I, I look at me and I'm like, oh my gosh, I look sick. I do. Hmm. And my dad was the specialist. Like we, we just didn't know. Yeah. And so here we are later and it's worth the effort of knowing about this and then doing something about it for the overall big picture, for the, the breathing apparatus itself, uh, for the jaw hinge, for sleep is a big one. Posture. If you, now breathing affects posture and posture affects breathing, right? The, You're a slumpy guy. I am. And the, I, and the story about the girl with scoliosis. Yeah. Who remarkable, remarkably, you know, I'm sure she did some other things, but her primary methodology that she gave testimony for healing was and, breathing. Differently. That's right. So this is where you rather than creating a vicious cycle where, well, yeah, I breathe through my nose, but it's not that big of a deal. I'll just put up with it. But it leads to this, which leads to that. You can slice into that vicious cycle to create the virtuous circle where, you know what? I might not be able to control something else, but uh, I can control my breathing and I'm just going to do that. And that will likely lead to improvement in sleeping, improvement in posture, improvement in <clears throat> brain health or something like that. I was going to say, if you find yourself at your desk and you realize after hearing this, that my gosh, I have my mouth open a lot. I'm breathing in and you just focus on keeping your lips shut. Nobody's going to notice and sit there and breathe through your nose an extra 45 minutes today. And, the next day, and, and the so next that's our main point is be aware, be aware. And we're, we keep talking about these potential consequences down the road. So sleep for sure. Mouth health for sure. Posture health for, uh, by the way, mouth health and jaw health, people with headaches is mouth breathing related. Absolutely. Would I ever look at somebody and say, Oh, well, your headaches is caused by mouth breathing. I would, no, but is it related? Of course it is. So address it in some So, so you could find way. 10 people that are dealing with headaches, <laughs> migraines, whatever, and say, okay, everybody start nose breathing, you know, more exclusively. And a couple of them are going to get radical differences. The other ones that, that may not be maybe, the maybe not. primary right. causation. It to won't that. hurt any of them. It won't hurt any of them. And so we're, we're doing no harm. We can only do help. Um, the, the moving on down the, you know, the posture and the breathing and, and the main, probably the main thing, Kevin, that, that 
that I would land on in terms of well-being, not wellness and health and those kind of things, but the bigger picture of well-being is the connection of breath to mind and heart, mm-hmm. right? So one of the things that, that really got me about the, about the book was his, he didn't, because so many books about breathing very quickly will, will go into spiritual, religious kinds of areas. And so, or like the other one that we read, where it goes into where oxygen comes from, and or, or super I science just didn't care. Like it came from outer space, and this, you know, yeah. it's super, super science that uh, doesn't. Im- which, yeah, if you want to know more about that in oxygen, breathtaking. I can't remember the guy's name. Is another. Or he was a pulmonologist. Uh, well, uh, doc, doc, but it was very clinical and whatever. And for me, it was just great information, but I, it didn't help me. Okay, no, and his main takeaway, the last chapter in his book was about uh, cystic fibrosis. His main takeaway was look at our science. Look how great we are. We've, we've, we've helped people to quit smoking and we've got these great medicines. What's the future going to hold? And I'm like, uh, we're going to have a whole lot of overweight, unmotivated people breathing through their mouth yeah. at, at, at this current pace. And that didn't motivate me. What does motivate me is, okay, I do breathe. I am a spiritual being. Mm-hmm. I'm not a, a Buddhist. I'm not these other religions that tend to talk a lot about breathing. So I've always been a little bit leery of what does all that mean? Mm-hmm. And here's what I got from uh, Nestor's research was... The science of breathing, he found a, <clears throat> excuse me, a document dated at, at nearly prehistory. So we're really murky pre-3,000 years, right? The Egyptians were about 3,000 years ago. We have a whole lot of Mesopotamia, Egyptian, all, all this right. kind of stuff. Well, a little bit further east in these, the ancient places. And so probably three to 5,000 years on pottery, a a document that spoke of breathing without religion. Mm. So the science, quote unquote, of the day, and it basically said something like, you know, take deep breaths, it's really good for you. And so the reason that all religions of the earth <clears throat> have a, a component of breath awareness mm-hmm. is because breathing works. It, it, it really does. It's a part of spiritual well-being, physical well-being, emotional well-being. It's, yeah. it's so fundamental. It's so real. It connects you at like nothing else with life. And the minute you start holding your breath in about 30 seconds, <clears throat> for most of us, you are very aware of discomfort and pain and death. Mm-hmm. And in about a minute, most of us are probably fainting and in three, you're dead. So, that that spoke to me of the foundational, fundamental. We take it for granted. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm and and even though I can. And so in our tradition, and and we talk about what is the very first thing that happened in human history was the breath of God. Breath. And and throughout the Bible, the word pneumos and pneuma and pneumo and all of those kind of things, and just the theme and the thread of. And it's the same word used for spirit. So it gets, you know, intertwined with these ideas. And I would say the same thing is true in a human. So if we speak to well-being as something that is, it, you know, you don't think your elbow's in pain right now, but you wouldn't say, oh gosh, my elbow is so great today. I'm doing really well. Mm-hmm. That's the foundation of my well-being until somebody sticks a knife in your elbow. 
We don't think that way. So well-being does have something to do with my liver and my kidney, my heart, my health, and all that kind of stuff. But it has more to do with how's my marriage? How's my motivation? Do I like my job? Do I want to be here today? What am I going to do tonight? Do I get to eat dinner? And then even a little bit more, why am I here? Why do I breathe? And so many of us just don't go down that pathway. Mm. Right? We don't contemplate. So, so what I'm talking with patients now is, for the uninitiated, unwise, or no, that's not right. Um, for the person that doesn't have a thought process down this kind of a pathway, we're just going very clinical. Tape your mouth and see what happens. Breathe, uh, you know, 10 times a, a minute and see what happens. Breathe, you know, that's very clinical. But to somebody else where we're saying, and, and now here's where we can look at the science. So this is what really inspires me is what's the, um, you know, not, not pulmonology science, because they're going to talk about, you know, how many liters of air and PFTs, pulmonary function tests, and what's the how, expi forced FET, forced expiratory air in one second. So these are the measurements of, do you have asthma or not? Do you have COPD or not? Right? We're going to give you a clinical diagnosis. Yeah. And over here, we're talking about, do you have a sense of well-being or not? Well, how do you define that? Now, the science over here through uh, organizations like HeartMath and other, um, uh, this, this has been done since the 80s, right? Uh, the biology of belief and other experiments where as much as you can randomize and create a placebo and do a prospective trial and those kind of things of breathing and breath work If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There, it, it does do things in the body. There is, now what do you call these things? Harmony? Well, so, so let me ask about that because when we talk about anxiety is such a big buzzword these days. Huge and to think depression. back, it really got me, Randy, thinking back to, let's, let's think about my, my grandfather, okay? This is just you know two generations away. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
And he would wake up in the morning, total peace. There's no screens. There's no noise. They're out in the, in the country, birds chirping, make his cup of coffee. I mean, this just wasn't life. He wasn't sitting there trying to be some righteous, spiritual, at-peace guru. It's just life. You get up, nothing's going on. The sun comes up. He puts his stuff on, goes out to the, uh, into his farm and, and works and has lunch, you know, and it's just kind of this peaceful existence. Now today, the same person is going to be primarily sitting at a computer, looking at a screen. We'll go back. You know, they probably went to bed late. They probably didn't sleep well. They wake up. They probably threw some caffeine in and ate a donut. Tr and then right they now. went and sat at a yeah, computer. Yeah, style and pace of life. And think about his breathing, my grandfather's breathing in this peaceful environment and just lifestyle because that's just, that's just what life was. And now we have this squirrel lifestyle of constant barrage, constant activity, multitasking, constant social media, constant stimuli, stimuli. And if we think about that and think about his breathing, and I wish we could, you know, his breathing, if, if he spent all day, primarily, he threw his in, out, in, out. If you just think about that, compared to over here, the person who is shallow anxiety breathing that we don't even think about, just kind of squirrel breasts and we're kind of going on, because you, I, I know you're gonna talk about how it changes with email and changes with this or whatever, and that the accumulative effect of the days, the weeks, the months of, you know, I'm, if I can even just say anxious, shallow, unthoughtful, unpeaceful, anxiety-ridden breathing, as opposed to, no. Right, it's, it's nearly, it's, it's unmeasurable. It's nearly unimaginable, and it, therefore, it puts us at great risk. Well, that's what's convicted me. I don't think about my you breath. You don't. Unless I'm out there exercising, even then I don't. But just to sit here in my office and don't see it and then realize so often that I'm, my, my, I'm holding my shoulders up, I'm breathing shallowly, I just didn't even think about it. Now I, I'll <laughs> let my shoulders drop. And, and the more you do that, the more you're aware of that, the more you will be doing that. Mm -hmm. that that's, that's a good thing. So we don't say get mad at yourself. You just gently redirect yourself and and i okay I, I do want to bring up the studies that because that's so key people are hearing this talk about and they're saying well i don't do that and i'm going to look at you and say you don't know what you don't know and culturally and, statistically and, most of us are oh well it's it, just I, I would look at people and say i don't care what you think about your breath you you don't really know unless you're a breathologist of yourself and you have breath work and you are breath aware you don't know because we don't have biomarkers for this. We don't have a scent other than I'm getting ready to die, right? Other than these kind of things, it's so subtle and so small. So let's just tell people the studies have been done. And if you're sitting at a desk and doing email, your breath changes. The pace, the depth. And if you get bad news, if you open up an email and it's bad, your breath changes. If you open up an email and it's good, your breath changes. So just accept it. And, and no different than if you bend over and pick up a 20-pound dumbbell and do something like that, it changes your muscle. I don't care what you think about it. Now, it's going to be a little subtly different from this human to that human, but it has an impact. Therefore, think, you know, set up your desk in an ergonomic fashion and, you know, sit up straight. And, and I would say to, to myself, and, and you and I have done this for years now, <clears throat> I will not. I don't turn on my computer ever until it's, you know, 
eight o'clock in the morning or whatever. Like the first couple of hours in the morning are, are, are no screen. Mm-hmm. I, there have been days when I do wake up and I'll hear a bing and I'll, you know, curiosity, curiosity got me or whatever else. And I can feel it. I can feel the slip into, mm-hmm. well, I'll just check the news or I'll just check whatever. And so I, I don't want to say I'm proud of myself or something, but I, I guess I'm grateful. Sure that my appetites got changed and my appetite is not to check my phone. My appetite is to have a cup of coffee and do the things that I do. And I'm so grateful, but I'm also training up my kids to say, yeah, don't start your day that way to my teenage son. And I'm, let me help you by, it has to be plugged in up here. And in fact, uh, I'm going to just put a block on it. So you can't even turn it on until you know, yeah. nine o'clock. Now, by the way, uh, I just read a report on, the, the newer age, the young teens, you know, the 12 to 16 now, and the, they all have phones, right? And the impact. Mm-hmm. And, and you said the word shallow. There's a great book called The Shallows that's mm-hmm. saying, what is the internet and the, and the phones doing to our brains? And I'd say, mm-hmm. what's it doing to our lungs? And if we breathe shallowly, is that contributing to a shallow brain? I'm going to bet, yes. Just how would a secure person respond? Or mm. was that the response of a secure person? And mm. if I think about myself, am I responding? I want to be the kind of person who responds as a secure person. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be insecure. Well, did that reaction mm-hmm. belie what I was? Mm-hmm. So in this, you know, do I want to, my breathing, my state throughout today, do I want to be a peaceful, confident, uh, healthy person? I want to breathe deep yes and i i was just thinking of water you 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 kevin miller can't really impact the ocean (laughs) right like it's pretty big it's stable and we talk about even scripturally deep calls unto deep the that that idea of deep i want to think deeply i want to know my wife deeply i want to experience life deeply i want to drink deeply I want to breathe deeply. And if you are, the, to me, that speaks of being anchored, stable, right? And if you're just flipping, flopping in the shallows, like you, you got nothing. Like, I, I don't even really want to hear what you have to say. Well, even the meditation aspect yeah. where, it, it, you know, for years, I've known about meditation for so long. They always talk about breath. Hey, pay attention to your breath. And it always felt spiritually hoodoo guru, yeah. some supernatural type thing. And I'm going, my gosh, if nothing else, not that, not to dismiss any of that, but if nothing else, it's just saying, no, take a moment to breathe calmly and deeply just from a medical, clinical, physiological that then affects our mental an overall health standpoint, just like I would go, I'm going to go run for 30 minutes here in a minute. How about making sure that I breathe? Now, if I can do it all day, that'd be great. But if I need to take a breathing break to make sure that I am. I was, we, we talked about, you know, setting up your day. And I would, I would tell Kevin Miller, if you desire to be becoming 51 and breathing through your mouth more, we'll set your timer. Breathing through my mouth less. Uh, less, yeah. sorry. Set your timer. Yeah. For one minute, every other hour and make yourself yeah. do it. No different. You, you're going to go run because it's on your schedule. Yeah. And it's important to you. Um, well, and it's and I'm used to measuring it. You know, I put I, I have my little wearable device here and I measure my run. And stuff like does that. yours measure breath? Mine gives me breath for a minute at night. 
and I'd stink. I'm like really? at 12, 13, and James Nestor says, you know, the he does get into sort of that synchronicity of the rhythm of breathing, and we're supposed to breathe kind of around every 5.5 seconds or something like that. Okay, I don't know. Every 5.5 seconds means 5.5 breaths per minute equals... Well, at some point, aren't we, when you talk about measuring this, I mean, isn't it a, so as a 50 year old, you can look at the resting heart rate averages for somebody your age, type in your age and you can see that. And if you are, I know I looked it up. So at 50, kind of the lower range is 60 and you know, a higher range of, you could have one of, you know, resting heart rate at 90 or something like that. And obviously, you know, I don't know, maybe this isn't fair, but in layman's terms, if your heart is having to beat less, it's having to work less, which should by proxy mean your body's in better health and, and wellness and it's not having to work so hard. We know elite athletes, especially endurance athletes, have a very low resting heart rate. And so... All that can be said for your breath. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So looking at your resting heart rate, uh, which you can get a wearable device, you can get a cheap Fitbit probably, I guess, that'll do that. Heart rate variability is a different thing but it still would have to do with your overall in shapeness not so much no that that's that's a good sort of segue into hang on because your heart rate variability is the milliseconds of variance between heartbeats not i'm at 50 beats a minute then i go up to 60 beats a minute then i go down to 40 beats a minute that that's not it's not the heart rate variability it is between beat to beat to beat what's the variance of milliseconds okay between this one to that one to this one to that one and you want more right like variability indicate which seems weird like you would think that a slow and steady all day uh, long man i'm yeah but it's not it's kind of like uh think about like cross training like the 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 more well-being person like the Olympic athlete, uh, uh, the Olympic runner is, I would look at him and say, he looks frail. Yeah. He can't lift up a big box or whatever. And he, and he is. Yeah. And the guy who's only a super duper weightlifter is too big. And he's also yeah. frail down that pathway. So we want multitudes of capacities and all these varieties yeah. equals weller being overall. Same with heart rate variability. And so what, it's not your in-shapeness per se that increases heart rate variability. This is where, and this is so interesting, the mind-heart-breath connection comes in. Okay. Because the biggest impact on your heart rate variability is what your mind Mind, heart, Again, that's, I have never really seen that perspective out there. We've all, anybody who's pursuing health these days and reading should, have, should be hearing about the you know, brain-gut connection. That's yeah. gotten to be popular within, yeah. within the demographic of people, you know, health and wellness. But, but the say brain, heart, breath connection, this try. And again, from, from my upbringing, it always smacked of new age, kind of hooey gooey, weird, whatever. And it never interested me until I'm thinking, wait a minute. Not only is the way I breathe going to have a direct impact on my heart rate, my blood pressure, my, my posture, my, my, all of these things, but there is a brain, heart, breath connection. And, you know, whatever XYZ religion doesn't have a corner on that, it's because it's always been that way. And we as yeah. Americans are great at ignoring it. We're distracted in the shallows. Yeah. And so because we don't care about 
slow, steady, deep things. We can't sit by ourselves alone in a room for 15 minutes um, without boredom and, and whatever. We must have distraction because we aren't deep. We aren't satisfied within our own peaceful we, well-being. We, we aren't at peace. We, we are, are not at peace. at peace. And so when we look at this, I, I, bubble up though. I mean, if you're looking, if we're talking, if somebody's hearing this and I, we're going to have weller people listening to that, that's by proxy. That's who our audience is obviously. But if you're hearing this and have significant, if the average American, the average overweight, if not obese American with a lot of things, hears this and goes, Oh, well, I just got to start breathing through my nose. Sure. I, you're going to have a hell of a time. Being able to, it will feel hellish. <laughs> well, and I don't even know if that's where you should start. You may need to start in some other ways. I mean, add it to that, but I don't know. I mean, I'm just thinking about the average person who's in Hill, average American in ill health, mucousy, yeah, who's obese, who's taking and, in inflammatory foods and sedentary lifestyle. Well, and also I don't allergies, know. allergic rhinitis. You uh, might need to, food to, to even, I'm saying to, to and help enable the ability to even start in, uh, advocating for nose breathing just like if somebody is walking in and they, they've got their foot in a cast, we're going to say, well, don't start running. Yeah. You, you need to heal and PT and like all this may that. not be, this, this is a, this is not a one Oh, I, I don't know if that's fair. Is this a, I, I depending on your it's level fair of to say awareness and almost any human out there, however bad you are, you can sit there and be aware of your breath and bring you through your nose for one minute. Okay. Well, yeah. So today, if no matter where you are, you can eat a little bit better, eat more vegetables, eat less junk or don't eat at all. You can exercise a little better, a little more or rest a little better, a little more. You can breathe better today. We, we all could do that. So if this is an awareness thing, yeah, as you said, we all Take awareness that. number one and sit there for a minute, breathe through your nose. Yeah. Hold your breath. Yeah. And I did appreciate Nestor in, in the back of the book where he's like, there's multiple, you know, now again, the words that are associated with breath, breath work exercises have religious definitions because in the Hindu tradition, in the Buddhist yeah. tradition, that's who's in yoga tradition. That's who's been doing this. And I would say, okay, it's, it's a name, it's a word. It's not, but the foundation of it is still, this is how we're created. This is. And again, the book breath by James Nestor primarily is just hitting this at a, he's looking at it like exercise and eating. It's just, a, he was looking at it, came to it at a, at a health aspect. You mentioned holding your breath. That's another person people can check out out of interest. If you want to dig further is Wim Hof, which is spelled W W I M Wim Hof, Wim Hof, but, but yeah, whatever. Well, and he basically, I think, took the principles that, that Nestor talks about and Wim Hof popularized them. Also with the extremes. He's the ice man and, you know, running a marathon. Well, I thought about him because you talked about if we hold our breath for a minute, most people get lightheaded. Three minutes are going to die. Of course, he's going to say, no, you can hold your breath for, for 10 or 10 one. and whatever, which you literally can. You can. Just like we we're saying, you can actually not eat for many days and be okay. Or you should be able to. And he's saying, you should be able to not breathe for that's Three, right. five, 10 minutes. So Kevin, in summary, what we're telling people is to <laughs> listen to us and basically don't eat, don't eat, <laughs> don't breathe <laughs> and don't breathe. Don't wear fancy shoes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it is, it, but at the same time, we're saying, no, 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 don't think about it like that. We're going to say, no, no, no. Understand that you need to feast on the biochemistry that happens when you fast and your body needs the biochemistry that happens when you breathe deep and through your nose. 
feast on that. And, and it would be breathing deeper and by proxy, literally breathing less. So if you go about right now and your heart rate, at, sitting at your desk, reading email, doing your work, or you know, going to the grocery, whatever, your heart rate is right here. You're thinking, mind, you're breathing mindlessly, mindlessly which we yep. pretty much all do. And now say, okay, take the next minute, even if you're grocery shopping, and just breathe through your nose. Think, you will breathe less. And so we're... <laughs> and you will be better for it. And you <laughs> will be better for it. Well, thank you for joining us on this journey to elevate our own experience and improve the way we show up for others. James Nestor, again, is the author of Breath, kind of the catalyst of this topic on breathing. James Nestor, Breath. Again, you can find the book. You can find a lot of information. There's other podcasts uh, that get more clinical, probably, if you want to do that. There's probably some videos on it, but the story in and of itself, which I think is going to take you reading the book or listening to the book, uh, is incredibly entertaining, interesting, and convicting. Randy James, my friend and co-host on the show here, you can find him at truelifemedicine.com. It's so cool that a lot of you do that. You come in from around the country and I get to actually connect with you uh, since my office is right here in his medical offices at True Life Medicine. Friends, if you appreciate the podcast and want to share this with others, uh, do so. Give us a rating on Spotify. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple is just a great way to help people find us. You can subscribe on YouTube and watch almost all the episodes that we do here. Uh, you can find that at Kevin Miller CO, which is where you can also find me on social media. We've got a lot of reels that we're doing, excerpts of the shows and uh, tens of thousands of people watching those. It helps you get just great benefit from those little clips. And it might show you whether you want to go listen further to a show as well. And if you want to learn how to master your own inner drive, get my book, What Drives You on Amazon in about any format you could desire. And until next time, stay driven.